Today we are concluding in our series, Rhythms. This is week five of our series, Rhythms, and I'll be concluding it today. Uh, we've been talking about the rhythms of life, trying to get in, back into or getting into rhythms of life. And, and, and rhythms are the flow of your life. It's routines and habits that we get into. It's the, the quantity or the amount of obligations and the events that we have going on and specifically the distance between those. In Matthew 11, 25, uh, sorry, 28 and verse 30, Jesus said, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real, real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come on, let's pray over our time in the Word now. Father, we thank you for your Word. That is awesome, living and true, active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Help me, Holy Spirit, as I preach your Word, that I would preach it with accuracy and clarity and help us all to receive it and to apply it to our lives that we can get into the rhythms of grace and the rhythms of our lives in every area. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to just do a, a, a recap of the series, not in the typical way I do it with titles and points, but just an overview. And again, if you're joining us or if you missed any of these weeks, you can go on our website, Facebook page, podcast, Vimeo, YouTube, any one of those, and you can catch up on this series as we conclude today. You know, I believe believe that God created rhythms and there's wisdom in rhythms. If you think about it, God created days and weeks and months and years, right? He created seasons. He created annual festivals. If we see in the Old Testament, uh, monthly sacrifices, weekly Sabbaths, which we talked about, and daily offerings. Can you imagine a life without any kind of rhythms? How would you know when it was time for your kids to go back to school? How would you know when it was time to celebrate a birthday or go to bed or how old you are if it wasn't for rhythms? You know, when we look at our lives, oftentimes there's no rhythm in our life, but just chaos. Come on, how many of y'all, it felt chaotic at your house this morning just trying to get ready to come to church? Be honest, don't lie in church. Some of you, okay, we got a couple people. You know, I, I saw a meme years ago uh, and it said, whoever wrote the, the, the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, never tried to get four kids ready to go to church. Isn't that right? I said that to my wife and she's like, amen, right? It's not that easy on Sunday morning. It can be chaotic, but you can even get into a rhythm on Sunday morning as you're trying to get ready to come to church. I believe God wants you and I to have rhythms in our life. So your life must have rhythms of devotion. And again, I'm just kind of generally recapping. And of course, the most important rhythm you can get into is your relationship with the Lord. We kicked this off right when we kicked off prayer and fasting. In January, we had 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I encourage you to get into a rhythm of prayer and Bible reading and time in God's presence and worship and, 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 and just getting into a spiritual rhythm. That's the most important, first and foremost, most important rhythm we need to get into. And then a rhythm in our families. And, and I mean, our families are the greatest gift God God has given us. And then our relationships with our friends and our co-workers. As a matter of fact, next week I'm going to be kicking off a new series about relationships. And we're going to dig into family and relationships with others. And of course, then it's going to you know, culminate with a marriage conference uh, first Saturday in March. And then in our health. We need to get into a rhythm in our health, operating at your best physically. For some people, we need, that's what we need to do is get into a better physical health and where we're at. And of course, in growth as well, operating at your best in your gifts, the spiritual gifts, the gifts God's given you, getting in a, in a rhythm of that. And in work, being a good steward of your time there at work and the resources that you get from working. And then rest, honoring God's word when it comes to the Sabbath, 
resting and getting refreshed. You know, we know this and we, a lot of us would agree that it's good to get into a rhythm, uh, in, in all these areas. But the problem is, which we talked about is that we have the pressure to perform and, and to progress, which has placed us or brought us to a place of overload. See, that overload has caused us to be stressed. And in our stress, our lives have become complicated and chaotic. We must create and maintain healthy rhythms. You may want to write this statement down. Your future will look like whatever your rhythms are. Your future is going to look like whatever your rhythms are. Whatever your rhythm is today, tomorrow, this week, that's what your future is going to be. You know, somebody has said that, you know, if you show me what you do every day, I'll show you what your future is going to look like. That's a rhythm, right? So, again, don't base your rhythms on better or more. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, People who work hard sleep well whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. Just because you, you, you have more or you've gotten better or you progress doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good uh, a rhythm to base your life on. See, success never means happiness. It's often the opposite. And I'm talking about like worldly success, the way, and I'll give you a great example of this. It's, it's never, uh, it, it, it's often the opposite. We never find peace and, and satisfaction and, and quote unquote happiness whenever we're trying to base a rhythm on, on more, getting more or progressing more. You know, I love to watch documentaries. Matter of fact, my family, uh, it, like they, they get bored out of their mind because of the kind of documentaries I watch. So I was recently, I'll give you an example. One night I was actually watching a documentary about a man who makes documentaries. And my kids came in and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, dad, like, they're like, you're so old. Like, that's so boring. And my wife as well. My wife's like, I'm out of here. Like, this is like ridiculous. Like, I'm not, you know, but I, I don't know. I love it. I've always loved history. And so I like documentaries. I like, I was talking to some ladies earlier and they said, oh, me too. We love that stuff. And uh, so I had, I was watching one uh, the other, a couple of nights ago and actually I recorded it and watched it at different times. And this lady that I was talking to, she's like, I know what you, I know what you was talking about. I watched that too. And it was about uh, the biggest business moguls of the late 1800s and early 1900s. Like, uh, John Rockefeller, uh, Andrew Carnegie, and J.P. Morgan. And if you know anything about Andrew Carnegie, he had the biggest steel company uh, in the world at the time. And so they, they were three rivals that were competing against each other. So finally, J.P. Morgan approached Andrew Carnegie about buying his steel company. He made him an offer, and, 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 and uh, I mean, Andrew Carnegie, you know, said, well, this would be the price, and J.P. Morgan took it. He sold his company, listen to this, for $480 million in 1901. That's equivalent to over $14 billion today. And it was said that almost instantly after Carnegie sold his business to J.B. Morgan, there was a sense of letdown. He literally became the richest man in the world. Even the documentary, the reenactment, when they shook hands, J.P. Morgan said, congratulations, Mr. Carnegie, you're the richest man in the world. He was. In that moment, he became the richest man across the whole globe. I mean, $14 billion today is still, I mean, that's still an insane amount of money. But you got to understand, again, back then, it was ridiculous because there was a lot of poor people back then as well. And said so there was a sense of letdown. Why? Because more and progress doesn't bring satisfaction. We need to base our rhythms on values and truth. See, our values that are based on the Bible and focused on eternity. 
The values we should base our rhythms on is based on the Bible and eternity. And I, and I showed you all the scripture a few weeks ago where it's, the Bible tells us to focus on the realities of heaven. And again, I said we're getting distracted by a lot of things online in the news that are not reality at all. So we got to focus on the realities of heaven. And in truth, base it on values and truth. Truth is what God says about everything we've been talking about. And I broke it down over the last few weeks. What God says about Sabbaths, rest, worship, and work. God talks about all of this in the Bible. And I've done my best to try to show you all this straight from the scripture. Once you set your rhythms, then your rhythms must be guarded. And so the last two weeks I talked about healthy rhythms. So today we're going to conclude with encouraging you to guard your rhythms. And I just want to give you a couple of ways this morning of how you can guard your rhythms. Number one, guard your rhythms with contentment. Guard your rhythms with the contentment. Did you know that the Bible commands contentment? Contentment is commanded in the Bible. Look at Hebrews 13.5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See, when we realize that it's not our company or our bank account that it's our provider, it's the Lord who's our provider that helps us to be content, right? Instead of pursuing happiness, pursue contentment. See, most people are not content. And again, with what we have. Now, I was told earlier that there was a, a young man that was here that looked at his mom and said, I don't agree with that. I think that con- if you're content, then you don't grow. And that's, let me, uh, maybe I didn't clarify it in the first service. Let me clarify. I'm talking about being content with the material things we have. I said earlier, we should want to grow in our gifts. We should want to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We should want to grow in, in, in being productive citizens of society and, and moving forward in the kingdom of God. This scripture commands being content with what we have, specifically money and possessions, right? He says, don't, don't let your life, or let me go back and see exactly what it says. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content because God will never leave us nor forsake us. As I was just praying for you, I don't know all of your needs, but I know that God can provide every single one of them. It could be spiritual, it could be financial, and it could be everything in between, right? See, money, let me, well, let me back up. When it comes to contentment and money, the poor envy the rich, and the rich envy the richer. It never stops. People think, oh man, if I, if I become successful, if I can have this amount of money, I'll be good. That's not how it works. If you're not content, there's never enough. Going back to John Rockefeller, they asked him, well, how much money do you, more money do you need to make? And his answer was just a little bit more. Three of the top, the, 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 the most richest men in the world. See, money gives a thrill, but not satisfaction. When you come into some money, it's nice, man. Even you get that check, you get that Christmas bonus. It's like, man, praise the Lord. Like, you know, it's a blessing to get. It's a thrill, but it doesn't bring satisfaction. You know, matter of fact, they said the main reason that Carnegie had such a letdown after he sold his company to J.P. Morgan was because Morgan accepted the asking price so quickly. They even portrayed it. He was like, they shook hands and he said, Morgan, if I would have asked for a hundred million more, would you have given it? And he just smiled and said, have a good day, Mr. Carnegie. See, he sold his company and became the richest man in the world. And instantly he thought, I could have got more. That's a lack of contentment there. Wouldn't you say? And like, I mean, at, at the worst. And really, and it was heartbreaking watching that because at the time in the early 1900s, and maybe I'm going to bore you to death here, but it was really... You know, they were the three richest men in the world, and, the, and the, the, the gap between the rich and the poor was huge. And they were making millions upon millions, which would have been billions of dollars, and people were dying in their factories trying to just make scrape, scrap, uh, uh, 
scratch a living together. You know what I mean? And it was that kind of attitude, that kind of lack of contentment. Man, I could have got even more. Look what Philippians 4, 11 and 13 says. Not that I have, I've, not that I was ever in need. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Did you notice that contentment was something that the Apostle Paul learned? It didn't come natural. It wasn't a spiritual gift. It said that he had to learn how to be content. And that's encouraging for me and you. Because if you struggle with contentment, it's something that can be learned. See, talking about growing, it's something, again, dealing with possessions and, 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 and what, what you have. And also, many of us have quoted verse 13, but as you can see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is in the context of contentment. We quote that, but that's in the context of, it's, it's, that's in the same verse right there, right? Or the same couple of verses. I remember that was the first verse I ever learned. My mom gave me a magnet with Philippians 4.13 on it. I put it on my refrigerator and I see it, I saw it every day. So I was the first one that I learned. So this is encouraging because it shows us that with the Lord's help and strength, we can learn how to be content. If you struggle with contentment when it comes to, to money and possessions and things like that, we can learn with the Lord's help. So how do you become content? Separate yourself from society's standards. See, separate yourself from, from the world. Let me say it that way. From the world's standards of more, better, get, get more, get, get, get all that you can, right? I mean, you, did, do you notice every year, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here, do you notice every year that Christmas sales and commercials start earlier and earlier every year? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Renee says it's like June. Like, it used to be, okay, Black Friday, like right after Thanksgiving, they hit. Now it's like early in November we start. I mean, you could ask my wife. I'm like, I, I go on rants about that. Why? More. It's time to start buying again. Buy all the presents. Get, get sales. Get out there. Start buying. Get more. Get more. That's that's what's a, it. I mean, do you see the same thing I'm seeing? It, it it gets more. It ramps up every year. It seems like that's society standards. So we need to separate again. We need to have the biblical standard of contentment. Also, as much as you can, it's hard with technology. Turn off the ad. Stop looking at at at, at every ad that comes across your screen. Stop clicking on everything. You know. Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple, the one who created the iPhone, says this. He said, as they were plotting about how to get this iPhone out, he said, Jobs said, give them something that they don't know that they need. Give them something that they don't know what they need, right? If we really needed it, I think we would know. If y'all tracking with me. See, we gotta, we gotta disconnect. And look, I'm preaching to myself here again. I bought a, a bag, a, a part of our hunting gear to put some decoys in years ago, uh, from a company up in Missouri and I still get emails from them. And, um, you know what? I, it, it, I could have everything that I need for my hunting gear and no extra money to spend. But when I see that word in bold red letters, clearance, how many of y'all click on that link? Come on, somebody. Y'all laughing because y'all do the same thing, right? You click on that. Like, I don't even need nothing. I'm like, I got extra shells. I'm like, what's on clearance, right? Now, you know, it's like, 
Hit the delete button, Brandon. Delete. But right, it does that, right? I still, you get ads pop up and whatnot. So we need to, we need to separate ourselves. Look, if you're looking for something, you need something. I don't know about you. When I go in a store, my friend Clarence, he's the first one I go talk to over there, right? How many of y'all are friends with Clarence too in the store, right? Clarence. That's where I go to first. Good to, you can get good deals. You can be a good steward. But if you don't need it, we don't need to look at it, right? Turn off the ads. Turn off if you can. You know, like even those emails. As I'm preaching the second service and said, I probably should unsubscribe from that email service from, from the, the Rogers Sporting Good, right? Also, develop counter habits. Example, instead of trying to so hard to get, how about you give? And we talked about giving last week. We talked about tithing and offering, just being a giver. Again, we still have the books. Pastor Francis's Kingdom's Economy, our founding pastor, wrote a whole book. It was one of his life messages on the kingdom's economy about giving, tithes, offerings, alms, and helping people. This is a biggie. Be thankful for what you already have. I think really, in a nutshell, that's the key to contentment. It's to be thankful. Be thankful for what we already have. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I love how the Amplified really hammers it in. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You see that? Leave it up for a minute, Doug. You see that? Be thankful in every situation. In other words, when you have little and when you have a lot. In every situation, and continually be thankful for the Lord. I love this because this is the will of God for your life. Man, so many people want to know, what's the will of God? Be thankful. Be thankful. That's a thankful heart, man. God, Listen, if God would have just saved us and did nothing else for us, we still have a, 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 the, the responsibility for being thankful for all eternity, right? If we were just saved and forgiven and going to heaven and he just checked out after that till he, we got there, but he does it, right? I mean, he, there's so much we can be thankful for, right? We all got out of bed this morning. Got dressed, probably ate some kind of breakfast, turned on lights, AC, drove a car here, right? Man, just that. Just I mean, we're so we're we're more blessed than a lot of people that that around the world and even around this community. So be thankful, and then surround yourself with people who get it, who understand about contentment. First Timothy six six and eight says, "Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth." You see that. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. So again, the context here is material things, what we have, money. Learn to be content. That's a great way to guard your rhythms is to be content in what what you have. And if you notice, it says godliness with contentment is great gain or great wealth. You see, and again, we just talked about separating yourself from from society standards or, or, or worldly standards. This is the biblical standard. Whenever you, when you're content and thankful and living a godly life, that's true wealth. And look, the byproduct can be financial blessing. Again, it, that's not, that, that's not a bad thing. And I want to make that clear too. It goes back to Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. A byproduct, and we're going to talk about it later, about your pursuit can be those things, but it shouldn't be the main thing. Write this down. God is what we need. Things are what we use. God is what we need. Things are what we use. These are all just things that we use. All this stuff is going to burn up eventually, y'all. Right? Amen? So again, God is what we need. Things are what we use. Let's be content. I said last week, and I said it in one of my brothers, I said, man, you never saw a a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? We always say that. 
My brother Andy comes up to me the other day. He shows me, that same day afterwards, he shows me a picture. Of course, there's a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And it's like, so it's a little funny thing, right? But we know it ain't going to nobody's grave, right? Let's be content. God is what we need. Things what we use. Amen? And then secondly, guard your rhythms with simplicity. Guard your rhythms with simplicity. 2 Corinthians 1.12. For our boast is this. The testimony of our conscience that we behave in the world with simplicity and godliness. You saw we just read contentment with godliness. Now simplicity with godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, right? Earthly standards, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. The apostle Paul said, listen, we live simple lives and we led godly lives. And that's what he's saying. He told, he said it another way. It was the apostle Paul writing again. That's what he's saying. If we, he told Timothy, if we can live with godliness and contentment is great gain. He's saying here, we lived in simplicity and godly sincerely, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. In order to get into rhythms of grace, as Jesus said, it's got to be from a biblical standard with eternal values and views. Amen? See, contentment facilitates simplicity. To conquer the cycle that we've been talking about for almost five weeks now of overload, stress, and complexity, we need simplicity. And you know who modeled that, that, modeled that better than anybody? The greatest model that we have of all times, Jesus. Jesus modeled simplicity. He was a simple king. Matter of fact, he left his throne in the, 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 of, of heaven and, and, and all his glory to come down and walk in simplicity. He modeled it better than anyone. And his simplicity was not accidental. So if you don't believe me, read through the Gospels and see. Jesus was focused. He had a laser focus. He had a rhythm of prayer, of reaching people, of discipling his disciples. It wasn't accidental. So let me ask you this question. Are we called to live like kings or live like the king? Are we called to live like kings or like the king? We're modeled, we just saying, the king of my heart, right? King Jesus. Two different songs where we're declaring that Jesus is our king. He's our model to live in simplicity. Now, when we put the kingdom first, simplicity inherently follows. It goes back to Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God. When we put that first, things become simpler and we begin to come into a, 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 a rhythm, a godly rhythm. So let me tell you what simplicity is and what's not. Simplicity is freeing. Simplicity is uncluttering. You remember last week I said minimize your stuff? How many of y'all went home and cleaned out a few bags of stuff at home? Okay, good. I'm glad two people did it. I'm just good. Amen. Even my wife, she said, who? I need to get to, in my closet. She's like, after hearing that, minimize your stuff. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But and so, no, I'm just joking. So I mean, I get myself in trouble here at the end of the service. No, but it's true. We got to minimize our stuff. Unclutter. Simplicity is being focused. It's being disciplined, right? And it's, it's being healthy. Again, spent two weeks talking about healthy rhythms. To be disciplined, if we talk about even physically, right? It, you, you gotta, when you get into a rhythm of even exercise and, and eating, it's gotta be simple. It, it, you, it, 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 well, let me say it, it helps to be simple. If, if you gotta like, you know, get up at 2.30 in the morning and drive across town and have a 30 minute warm up and then have a class at four o'clock, then drive back home and take a shower. How many of y'all gonna sustain that for the year? No, it's got to be something that's simple, that's got, you can get into a flow, into a rhythm too, and, and have a good time. It's discipline, it's focus. Simplicity is not easy. I, I don't want you going to work tomorrow morning and say, yeah, Brandon said we got to keep it simple, so I ain't doing all that work today, all right? That's not what simplicity means, right? Okay? 
It, it's not legalistic either. It's not proud. Again, it's not impoverished. I'm not Jesus. I'm not saying he's calling us to live poor. Somebody, I want to, I want to make that clear as well. Just like there's two extremes. There's the prosperity gospel that says, Hey, you know, name it and claim it. And God wants everybody to be rich. I don't believe that, but I don't believe God wants us to be poor either. I believe he owns the cattle on a thousand hill and he wants to provide for our needs and he wants to bless us. I believe again, it's balanced. It's somewhere in the middle, right? It's not improvised and it's not ignorant as well. It's not being a simple-minded person. That's not, it's not ignorance, right? It's just simplifying things. It's uncluttering things so we can get into a rhythm. Where should we seek complicity? Simplicity, I'm sorry. Possessions and finances. Again, we talked about that last week. We talked about time, finances, un, you know, uncluttering. Pace and atmosphere. Again, man, watch your pace. You know, when you're running 90 to nothing, Every day, each day, and I know if you're a mom, and especially if you're a single mom, you have children. You know, I know my, my wife, and we're married, and I know that, man, I looked at those tires on that van, and it's about time for a new pair, a new set of tires, because she's running all over the place, right? But listen, we gotta watch our pace. You know, a lot of people suffer from what's called adrenal fatigue, because their adrenal glands are worn out. How many of y'all have ever heard of that or actually even dealt with that? You know why? Because your adrenal glands were made primarily for what's called fight or flight. So you know you ever heard of stories or you maybe seen or been a part of it when there's a child trapped under a car and a man could come and flip the car over or lift the car to get that child out? What happens is their adrenal glands produce an amazing amount of adrenaline because there's there's trouble. It's it's tragedy and they you know, but some people they say run at that rate for weeks and months on end. And it, 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 it drains out the adrenal glands and there's adrenal fatigue. That comes from pace. We gotta simplify and watch our pace and the atmosphere we in as well. And then of course our pursuits. And I've been talking about that. Our pursuits are, uh, you know, again, goes back to Matthew 633. I keep quoting, seek first the kingdom of God. If that's the main pursuit, other things again, I'm not, again, could be success and growth in your business, growth at school and your relationships. But if the main pursuit is the Lord first, I believe all these things will be added. Of course, our relationships will jump into that next series and then our activities. Ecclesiastes 5 3 says this too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When you're running 90 to nothing, both in your life, in your schedule, in your mind. Isn't it hard to get a good night's sleep? Matter of fact, I, I thought about this scripture earlier. I talked to another young man. I said, hey, man, how you doing? How's it going? Oh, it's going good. You know, just been working a lot and working with this, this guy and doing construction. He said, man, we've been like building fence. So we've been uh, digging, you know, we're breaking posts and digging new post holes. And we're filling them with these concrete bags, you know, basically. So it's like day in and day out. I said, man, I bet you're sleeping good. He said, yeah, I'm trying to. He said, but you know, my mind, it keeps going. So his body's probably worn out, but his mind's still going. So, you know, isn't it nice to have a good physical day of work? And when you're just like, man, you know, even if those of you work at the office, it's like, man, but you go outside, you work in the yard and do something. You're tired. I always call it, is it like a good tired, right? Because you're working hard and stuff. You can be physically tired. But if there's too much activity going on in your mind and your heart and your schedule, it's going to be hard to get a good night's sleep. Or how many of you plan on sleeping late some mornings? You're like, oh, man, I'm going to sleep late. I don't have nothing to do. But as soon as you wake up to go use the bathroom, your eyes open, you start thinking about all kind of stuff. And you got to get up, right? Because you're like, there's no way I can go back to sleep now because my brain is everywhere. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. You know, actually, as I, I was I was going over my notes this morning, I added a description. I was thinking about the reference, and I was searching it on the U version Bible app on my phone, and I came across 
this Bible reading plan, and it's called Uncluttered. And I just want to give you a resource. If you look at this, Uncluttered, 14-day Bible study. Look what it says. Free your space, free your schedule, free your soul. And I just read over it, just kind of like an overview of it. And it's a lot of what we've been talking about last week and this week. It's got a devotion, and then it's got some scriptures every day. So if you got the Version Bible app, no matter what kind of phone you have, you go in your app store, you can download the Version Bible app and just search it. Just search. I searched the scripture, and now it came up because of, 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 you know. So I would encourage just another resource. I gave you a few books last week. I'd like to give you resources to further follow up on this. Amen? As we close, again, you may have too much going on. And your rhythms are maybe chaotic and unintentional. Maybe you feel strapped emotionally, physically, with both time and money. The solution is guarding your rhythms through balance, rest, contentment, and simplicity. And again, these are overviews. And so if you missed any of these messages, go back and I deal with all of these in more detail. We gotta get into rhythm and the Lord will help us, right? He says, I will show you the rhythms of grace. We need God's grace to do all of this. This has been, I know, a very practical series, but you know, it always comes back to we need God's grace to do it, right? Because it's all biblical. It's very practical, but it's all biblical. I've done my best to show you from the scriptures how this is all biblical. Now I want to read another scripture as we close. Actually, two more. First Timothy 6, 6 and 7 says, And we read this, but in a different translation. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. The New King James says it. It is certain, no matter how many possessions or money or things you have, you're not taking anything out. No matter how many pictures of they got a U-Haul behind a hearse. The Bible says we're not taking nothing with us, right? The only thing you're going to take and really you're going to leave is with, with is your soul. When our bodies breathe our last here, and unless that trumpet sound, nobody gets out of here alive. It's going to be our soul, right? And Jesus says in Mark 8, 36 and 37, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of money, and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? When Andrew Carnegie was the richest man in the world, that couldn't buy him a ticket to heaven. And no one else. I was, you, this might shock you, I was watching another documentary last night. And it was about this group, it was ancient, like in the 1400s, 1500s, and a, a group, a nation of people that were, that were uh, on a conquest and they were conquering lands. And, and it was their whole, this guy that was, uh, he was raised up. It was actually sad because from a little boy, they took him and his childhood ended when his dad died, said, hey, look, you no more crying. They took him. They said, Hey, no more tears. They, they raised him up. They beat him and made him into this, this young king. He became a king at 13. His dad, or his dad didn't die because his dad took it back. But basically his whole vision and purpose in life was conquest to take over another nation, to, to, to do battle and all that. And I was sitting there watching this last night and thinking, man, and they were of a, 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 a they were not Christians. And I thought, man, most of them people are spending eternity in hell because the pursuit of their life, was either conquest, money, fame, success, or all across the board. Now, some of them hopefully got saved. I don't know for sure. If anybody calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved, right? First will be last, last will be first. Even at the end, even people of other religions that turn to Jesus, I, I know will be saved. But I'm just saying, as we end in this rhythm series, what has been your pursuit? What is the rhythm of your life? What is it going to be? And when you breathe your last, where are you going to spend eternity?
There's nothing worth more than your soul. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes with me. Thankfully, Jesus died on the cross to purchase our soul. He said when he saw a crowd of people, he had compassion on them because they were lost like sheep without a shepherd. We were all lost, going our own way and spiritually dead in sin because the Bible tells us in Romans that we've all sinned, every single one of us, and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. And we know that word means eternal death because the next line says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. As I was thinking about these men, whether they were these businessmen or these these guys on a conquest to to, to rule the world and, and, and gain lands, and I wonder where they are in eternity. What about you? If you breathe your last today, where are you going to spend eternity? Because it's either we're going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven or eternity separated from God in hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven because he made a way though. He died on the cross that nobody had to be eternally separated from God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 God don't want to send anybody. God loved the word and made every provision. We had a sin debt we owed and he made a way to pay the debt. That's how much he loves us. But if you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed and say, Brandon, I don't know if there's contentment in my soul. I don't know if my soul is right with the Lord and I need to get right today. I don't know where I would spend eternity if today was my last day. For years I didn't know until I gave my life to Christ. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I want, to, I want to be right with the Lord. I see your hand. I see your hand over here. Young people's hand. Adults' hands going up in the middle right here. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else in the middle? Anyone else? Over here to my right. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else before we pray? Hands still going up. I see your hand, sir. Over here to my left. Praise God. Anybody else? We're going to pray together. We're going to pray with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And all of us that are already saved are going to pray with you as a family. Just repeat after me. Something like this. It don't even have to be exact. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I repent and I turn to you. Thank you, Lord for making a way for me to be saved. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you and to learn to be content all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that made that decision. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you and congratulations. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Fill that card out. Bring it to the info center. For all of the rest of us, why don't we all stand up together? And, and as we conclude this series, come on, let's, let's pray about these two things and just really everything about getting into a rhythm. How many of y'all said, man, I need to get into some healthy rhythms in my life? If that's you, just lift up your hands. Come on, I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you. There's hands going up all over the auditorium. Lord, I pray, and my hands are up too, Lord. I know there's there's healthier rhythms I need to get into in my life. 
And Lord, I just pray as we wrap up this series today that you would help us. Lord, you said that you would show us the rhythms of grace. Lord, we cannot do this on our own, nor do we want to on our own. We need your health to be in, in, in healthy spiritual rhythms and, and Lord, relational and physical, emotional, mental rhythms, Lord God, financial rhythms. Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to do so. Help us to learn to be content because, Lord, we know we apart from you, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who gives gives us strength. Lord, thank you that you can help us through your strength to learn to be content, to focus on you. Help us to simplify, Lord God. Simplify things in our heart, in our mind, in our lives, in our relationships, Lord God. We can unclutter, Lord God, and then we can focus on you in every one of these areas, Father. We need you. We love you. We thank you, Father God, that you're going to help us with this and everything else we're going through every step of the way. Would you bless these as they go, Lord God? Watch over them and all that they do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see y'all soon.